Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. It's time to discuss the breaking news of Mike LaFleur, the Jets' offensive coordinator, out. Or, as the Jets are saying, they're allowing him to pursue other opportunities. And by the way, if you believe that... There's a bridge in Brooklyn, I can sell you. So to talk about this is our friend who's the co-founder over at U Stadium, Mr. Nick Spano, who is here to pursue other opportunities. Nick, thanks for pursuing other opportunities with me. I actually pursued other opportunities for different podcasts to come on, but <laughs> unfortunately nobody wanted me, so I came back. <laughs> That's what happened to Michael LaFleur, <laughs> I think, is that the Jeds didn't want him. Yeah. So now he's pursuing other opportunities. So... Earlier in the day, Aaron Wilson, who's an excellent reporter, one of the best out there, reported that the Jets were firing Mike LaFleur. And a few minutes after that, a couple of the members of the Jets beat came out and said they had spoken to sources and that LaFleur hadn't been fired. And what I figured at the time was that Aaron got the story right, but perhaps he was ahead of where the Jets wanted it to be. The Jets didn't want that information out yet. Perhaps they hadn't even told LaFleur at that point. And so they denied that LaFleur was being fired, figured Aaron Wilson would be vindicated later in the day, and that's exactly what happened. So LaFleur is out. I assume that all the other members of the offensive staff, particularly Rob Calabrese, the quarterback coach, is going to be out as well. So Nick, before we get into the nitty-gritty on this, who could replace Mike LaFleur, what led to the downfall, what were your immediate thoughts on the story when you saw it? Are you surprised that it happened? No, definitely not. And, and shout out to Aaron Wilson. He's he's like one of the best under the radar, beat, uh, like not beat guys, but insiders. <laughs> like he's been he's been doing this for a long time. He's has history dating back to like the early 2010s or whatnot for you know working in Baltimore. Um, 
working with in Houston. So he, he gets, you know, he gets scoops around the entire league, not just local teams that he works for. So, um, yeah, credit to him. And he, he did actually tweet parted ways. He didn't say fired, you know, it was kind of a more softer landing spot. So he was, he was more on the, you know, not, not so harsh of a fire than, uh, that it was leaked, and then the beat writers have said he's not being fired. But Aaron Wilson also never said he was being fired. They were parting ways, and he was right. Um, so just wanted to shout him out on that because I know the beat writers kind of got on their high horse a little bit and felt felt vindicated for like six hours, and then ultimately Aaron was right. So shout outs to him. But I wasn't surprised. I, I just you know how Woody Johnson is, and and I know he tweeted. He kind of broke his like four day silence early this morning. And he kind of got the vibe that something was going down. You know, it was like, I don't know, it was a white or black smoke from the Vatican when they when they choose a new pope. Um, <laughs> whatever it is. I think it's the white smoke, right? Um, it's kind of the Woody Johnson smoke from the Vatican when he tweeted earlier this morning. And I, and I thought to myself, I was like, something's going to go down today. Either either Woody's going to speak to the media, you're going to get LaFleur news, you're going to get a, one of those... Uh, you know, BS uh, press releases of Woody Johnson saying, hey, he has all the faith in everybody in the building. They're coming back for year three. So I, I figured something was coming down today. Um, and, you know, just watching it unfold in, in Miami on Sunday, seeing Woody there, Woody saying he's not going to speak, at, you know, immediately after the season, he was going to wait, whether it was going to be this week at some point next week. You know what he wanted—a pound of flesh. You know he was—he was all excited early in the year. His assistants tweeting and TikToking from his account, and um, you know he was all happy about the rookie of the week stuff and the Jets being in 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 the public, you know, being looked at, you know, well in the public eye. You know, this year for the first time in over a decade, and um, you know he was ride high as as most of us were, you know, in in November, and then. You know, it just kind of went down the shitter the last two months, you know, month and a half of the year. And Woody probably was just like, what the hell happened? You know, I thought I thought we were back. So I'm not surprised Woody wanted some somebody to, to be the not, not the scapegoat because that scapegoat may, means that Michael Floor wasn't at fault. Or he was like the, the, the stats tell you they were piss poor, <laughs> embarrassingly bad. Um, they almost just kind of mailed it in at the end of the year. I don't know if they used the excuse thing. It was just a young team kind of you know ran out of gas. But either way, you can't go out there and, and watch like a David Blau throw for two touchdowns, lead two touchdown drives against the 49ers, and uh, Josh Dobbs have a competitive game and a win and win it in situation. And you go out there and you can't even move the, you know can't even move the ball past the 20 yard line. So you can't you can't put an effort up like that. Um, and just obviously the Zach Wilson situation and then have having players kind of, you know, start to rumble in, in the locker room a little bit and not have something happen. So I'm, I'm not surprised. And I, I know we may disagree and, and others may disagree. I think it was definitely a woody decision. And I, and I think Salah went to bat as long as he could for the guy. And, and maybe, you know, maybe LaFleur did Salah a, a favor and said, yeah, just I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Let's say we parted ways. I don't want you to kind of take the hit for this too. You know that that's something that crossed my mind. Um, you know because obviously it was it was tough on Salah to make the move, but everybody you know knew the writing was on the wall. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The official story now 
is that after the initial report came out from Aaron Wilson, other teams started contacting the Jets, inquiring about LaFleur, at which point they decided to let him go elsewhere. He had seen the writing on the wall and decided it was time to move on. So they're painting it like it was ultimately LaFleur's choice. I think if that's the case, what you just said could very well be what happened, that LaFleur knew that he was in danger. He knew that his buddy Salah was going to bat to try and keep him. And he just said, look, they want to get rid of me. Let's not make this tough on everybody. We'll say that I decided to go elsewhere for another opportunity. And this way, you don't have to be put in the uncomfortable position of having to do something that I know you don't want to do. Now, we're all just speculating at this point. But I definitely don't believe that Mike LaFleur just woke up, saw the report and said, oh, yeah, sure. Let me go elsewhere. And that all these teams were calling the Jets with the phone ringing off the hook, trying to hire Mike LaFleur. I mean, the Jets had a terrible offense this year, and it wasn't entirely his fault. We should say that, and we will say that, because obviously he had terrible quarterback play. But let's remember a couple of things. Number one, Zach Wilson was entrusted in his care. Last year, toward the end of the year, we saw some progress with Zach Wilson, with Matt Cavanaugh and John Beck here. John Beck and Matt Cavanaugh were not here, and what you heard Robert Salas say in the press conference the other day is that he didn't bring those guys back or anybody else because he, quote, wanted to clear the room. And what clear the room means is he wanted to give Rob Calabrese and Mike LaFleur space to work with Zach Wilson. Well, guess what? They had the space to work with Zach Wilson, and it went completely sideways. He regressed even from where he was last year, and it's not like he was awesome down the stretch last year. He was just better, but he got way worse, and it got to the point where he was completely broken and was even booed off the field by the Jets' home fans in the home finale against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you look at that and you say, that obviously has to weigh on the floor. Then you take a look at the offense in general. We could quote the stats and how bad they were overall, but ultimately take a look at the situations. Look at the fact that this team didn't score a touchdown in 33 straight drives to end the season. I don't care who your quarterback is. You just mentioned David Blau. That is atrocious, and it can't ever happen. They would get into the red zone time after time. That Minnesota game is a good example. They would get way too cute for their own good. they try all these weird trick plays. Couldn't get in the end zone. Those red zone opportunities that they missed out on against Minnesota were a microcosm for what you were seeing over and over again. And then I think a lot of people are overlooking this, the relationship with the players. You saw what went on with Michael LaFleur and Mekhi Becton even going back to last summer. You had Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims both requesting trades. Zach Wilson apparently does not have a very good relationship with the offensive staff and is very skeptical of them. Garrett Wilson came out and said the other day, the feeling among the players was that the defensive players on other teams knew exactly what they were going to do before they did it. It had become stale, it had become predictable, and that was a large part of the reason why it was ineffective. You saw Tariq Woolen, there's video of him during the Jets and Seahawks game talking about how he knew exactly what the Jets were going to do. He pinpointed each time the Jets were going to do specific plays. When the opposing defenses know exactly what you're going to do, when the team is not scoring, again, 33 straight drives without a touchdown, they couldn't even move the ball. Six points against the Miami Dolphins team that has a very bad defense and had Skylar Thompson at quarterback. The players, Woody Johnson, 
takes major stock into what they say. It's a big part of what got Eric Mangini fired in 2008. And so when you have the players coming out and saying negative things about Michael LaFleur, both out in the open and behind closed doors, when you have an offense that can't move the ball, when you have the second overall pick that not only didn't progress this year, but took major steps backwards to the point where you now have to legitimately wonder if he will ever become a legitimate NFL quarterback. All of these things together combine for a very bad picture. Now, there are arguments to keep LaFleur because you could say it wasn't all his fault. Look at the poor quarterback play he was saddled with. You could take a look at the tape and say, look at all the open receivers a lot of the time when Zach Wilson was playing in particular. But the general picture here wasn't positive. And so the decision had to be made. Are you comfortable heading into a third year with Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator? Or do you cut bait now and try to go in a completely different direction? Because if you're going to try and rehab Zach Wilson, if you're going to bring a new veteran in here, I don't know that the higher-ups were going to trust Mike LaFleur to either redevelop Zach Wilson or develop another new guy after Zach Wilson failed to develop or have a good working relationship with an established veteran. So that's where this all comes down. I'm not one who is super anti-Mike LaFleur. I do understand the argument for rolling with him. But when you take the entire picture into consideration, you can absolutely see why this decision was made. Yeah, 100%. And I'm with you in the same boat. I, I wasn't someone who was, you know, wanted his head on a stake. But I also understood that what he was putting out there, both effort-wise and, and knowing that the players have some questions about him, and um, he seemed very scheme-obsessed. You know, he wouldn't, he wasn't flexible. He, he was, you know, it's the scheme or it's nothing. You know, you have to fit the scheme, not the opposite, um, and that's a problem. The stubbornness is, is an issue, and, and I think that ultimately cost him, you know, his first kind of big boy job here in the NFL. We'll see. I'm sure he'll get a shot to, to bounce back. He is well-liked. He has the last name. He has a relationship. So um, the the Wilson thing was just a disaster from the start. And as was, you know, LaFleur wasn't set up to succeed, and that's a, a Sala issue. But it's, you know, it's ultimately a Jets issue. They they signed off on it. You know, they, they I know the nap situation is awful, obviously, but um, the fact that they weren't able to kind of be flexible and, and, and kind of uh, deal with it in, in time and, and bring somebody in in such a crucial year where you had a rookie head coach, two rookie coordinators, rookie quarterback, and, and no real veteran voice in the room. Um, I think that kind of set everybody up for failure. You know, I, I was I was more in favor of keeping LaFleur because I think the system works. I just don't think uh, – you know, I think he struggled. You know, the play calling was an issue, and I think he struggled with some of the personnel at times, but I think he was – he was and will be uh, really good, and he's a young offensive mind, and it's kind of where the NFL is going, not to sound like Christopher Johnson and Adam Gase here, but I think there was a lot to like about him, and I, and I was interested in pairing him with a veteran voice, whether that's somebody like Kubiak, which now we, we know is probably not going to unretire, um, or somebody like a Greg, you know, Greg Olson or, or you know other names we'll get into, but I, I, I liked that idea. I was starting to buy into that idea. Um, I understand why ultimately, you know, they, they did move on, but, um, it just, it, it felt like it felt kind of doomed from the start. And, and I, and I don't want to like open up Pandora's box here and get into another topic. And, you know, maybe you disagree, maybe listeners will disagree, but this is just why in today's game where the sport is so 
you know, heavily dependent, almost obsessed with quarterback play, why hiring a defensive minded head coach is just, you know, it's, it's stone aged, you know, unless, you know, unless you're a veteran guy coming like a Belichick and, you know, he gets, uh, you know, let's say he, he were to move on from New England, hiring him, obviously, because he's, he's got the resume, but hiring a young defensive coordinator, you're really just asking for trouble because either two things can happen. You hire an offensive coordinator and he's good. He's good enough and he develops a quarterback or, he, you know, he moves the offense. That guy's going to get a head coaching job, you know, in, in, in a year or two, two, three years. Uh, or he's Michael Floor and he's just completely in over his head and you have the head coach who doesn't doesn't know a thing about calling offensive plays, doesn't get his hands dirty on the offensive side of the ball, and you have the offensive coordinator spinning his wheels and, and it just kind of goes to shit. And, and this is what happens and now you have a hard time filling that role. So it's just it, it just shows another, you know, because I'm sure we're going to be talking about head coaches and <laughs> unfortunately, not, not unfortunately, I'll say hopefully we don't. Hopefully we aren't looking for head coaches next year um, and, and they find a veteran quarterback and a coach that the uh, offensive coordinator that works. But the next go around, because, you know, we're the Jets, this is what we do. We, we hire coaches every few years. Uh, it better be an offensive minded guy because you just, it's just, this is the situation you end up in more, more times than not. Sean McDermott says hello Nick I don't agree with you as far as Defensive versus <laughs> offensive I think it's just a matter of can the guy Manage a staff and does he know how to be a leader And if he can do that then he'll Hire the right guys in all the right positions So we'll see what happens I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole Because that's another discussion for another time Another mm-hmm. interesting issue With Mike LaFleur that not too many people Have brought up and I don't know how much Of this was his call but it Is curious That the Jets went out and got James Robinson weeks ago And he was pitched as the guy that was going to help them replace Brees Hall And he did help them a lot on that game-winning drive against the Bills In the win at home versus Buffalo But then he more or less disappeared And you could understand it early on when Bam Knight was playing well But once Bam Knight ran out of gas You would have thought that with him and Michael Carter not doing anything The Jets would have at least tried James Robinson again Now the excuse is going to be That if he had X number of carries That he was going to cost the Jets a 5th round pick Instead of a 6th round pick But ultimately you're fighting for the playoffs If you're really that concerned about the difference Between a 6th round pick and a 5th round pick And that's what's going to hold you back From doing everything you can to try and make the playoffs Something strange there One of two things happened Either LaFleur dropped the ball on this Or Joe Douglas made this trade And James Robinson wasn't as physically healthy As they thought he was In which case you could probably blame the doctors as well I know they had made a comment LaFleur said the other day That Robinson was still quote-unquote Recovering from his injury last year Although if you ask James Robinson He thinks he was all ready to go And there was some evidence in Jacksonville He had a 100-yard game early in the season And like I said he did do well In that drive against the Buffalo Bills When the Jets won that game So that's just a strange situation as well But ultimately now Mike LaFleur is gone I agree with you in the sense that maybe he learns from this and he becomes 
a really good offensive coordinator down the line. We'll see. It's happened before. Pete Carroll's a good example. It took Pete Carroll a long time. After the Jets fired him, you remember, he went back to being a defensive coordinator, was very good, got another shot with the Patriots, failed there, got fired, wound up at USC, and that's where he really found his sea legs. And then when he came back with the Seahawks, he ended up becoming a successful head coach. But that took a while. We'll see with LaFleur. He may have a really nice career ahead of him. He's still pretty young, but for now, the Jets will move on. And now we have to address who the Jets may go out and try to get. The dream candidate is Todd Monken, who the Jets should have hired in 2019 as their head coach. He was the runner-up to Adam Gase. Of course, the Jets got that one wrong. You take a look at Todd Monken's resume and especially what he's done with quarterbacks. When he was at Oklahoma State, he took Brandon Whedon, who was a 28-year-old who had had a professional baseball career, and helped him become a first-round pick. Huge bust in the NFL, by the way, but he still helped him become a first-round pick. When he was at Southern Miss, Nick Mullins showed up as a 150-pound freshman, and Todd Monken helped develop him into a player that could eventually play in the NFL. Nick Mullins is still in the NFL right now. In Tampa Bay... He had one of the best passing offenses in the league when he was calling plays. Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick were the most accurate of their careers during that season with Todd Monken. And at Georgia, he took Stetson Bennett, who I keep joking makes Bryce Young look like Andre the Giant, and helped make him into a Heisman Trophy candidate and a two-time national champion. The question here is, would Todd Monken consider coming to the Jets my suspicion is that if Woody Johnson was willing to pay him significantly more money than he makes at Georgia, every indication that I've gotten from the people I've talked to that have been around Monken and just reading the tea leaves is that Monken ultimately would like to be a head coach in the NFL. The easiest way for that to happen would be for him to come back to the NFL as a highly paid offensive coordinator, get results, and then based on the two national championships in college and success in the NFL again, he would be at the top of everybody's list as a head coaching candidate. I don't think that this is going to happen. I just don't see the Jets going in that direction. I don't know that Monken would be interested anyway, but I can't see the Jets going and paying $4 million or something for an offensive coordinator, even though I think they should. People have brought up Frank Reich. He's available now. Certainly a possibility. He knows Joe Douglas. I don't think he knows Robert Sala, though, and that's an issue when you have two guys that don't really know each other. Although I did just talk about Monken, who doesn't know anybody, so there's that. But with Reich, I don't know that he's the slam dunk that other people have made him out to be with the Colts after Andrew Luck. I thought he got exposed quite quite a bit, especially with the Carson Wentz fiasco. He vouched for Wentz, ended up having to apologize to Ursay and Ballard for putting his neck on the line there. And once that didn't work out, everything snowballed from there for him. And in Philly, you have to wonder how much of it was actually him because you did have Doug Peterson running that offense and calling the plays. So I'm not saying that it would be a bad hire. I just don't know that it would be a slam dunk. We've heard about Gary Kubiak. Like you said, Nick, it doesn't look like he's itching to come out of retirement. And remember, he's 62 years old. He hasn't coached in three years. I don't know that that's the way you want to go either. Greg Olson's an interesting name to me. He's a guy who's been all over the place. You take a look at his track record, did very well in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. Bortles had 4,400 yards and 35 touchdowns when Greg Olson was there, which seems unfathomable when you talk about Blake Bortles. At one point, people thought Blake Bortles was actually going to be a franchise 
quarterback. So he did good work there. When he got to L.A. with McVay in 2017, he really helped develop Jared Goff into a good quarterback. And Derek Carr was doing the best work of his career with the Raiders under Olsen and John Gruden. So I think he's got a solid track record there. Doesn't hurt that he has a relationship with Derek Carr, who you assume the Jets would be strongly considering as a potential quarterback for next season. So Olsen, to me, is a guy who the Jets should have at the top of their list. By the way, he and Robert Sala know each other from their time together in Jacksonville, so there's a familiarity there. I've seen the name Daryl Bevel thrown out there. Bevel crossed paths with Sala when they were in Seattle. I don't know how much I like that. In Seattle, he had Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. I'm not sure how much of that was him. And then when you look at the fiasco in Jacksonville, I know that Urban Meyer played a huge role in that. But Trevor Lawrence did not look very good under Bevel last year. And Trevor Lawrence was a generational quarterback prospect. You look at how far he's come this year as opposed to last year. I don't know that that's the avenue you want to go down. So Nick, those are a couple of the names that I've seen mentioned. Any other names you would add onto that list? And what are your thoughts on those guys as potential candidates to replace Mike LaFleur? Yeah, I hate Daryl Bevel. I'd hate that move <laughs> <laughs> um, straight out the gate. Uh, I love the Greg Olson one. Um, there's a few others that, that have been thrown around. Nathaniel Hackett, obviously, was just fired by the Broncos. Mm. Um, he also called plays for for Jacksonville a few years ago. Obviously, most notable with the Packers, he was a uh, quarterbacks coach, I believe. Didn't call plays there, but uh, someone someone in Green Bay, a certain quarterback, is a big fan of his. So keep that one in mind. Um, Matt Nagy is is one that I saw floated around. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's with the Chiefs now, senior assistant quarterbacks coach. Obviously. Uh, didn't didn't go very well in Chicago, but rarely does anybody work out there. Kind of similar to here. Um, then some kind of like lesser known names. Brian Johnson, who is the OC at Florida with the Gators. He's the current quarterbacks coach with the Eagles now. Kevin Petullo, he actually was with the Jets. He's a quarterbacks coach with Bowles, I believe, in 2015-ish around then. Um, all those years kind of seemed to blend in, so I don't know who was the coach when anymore. Um He's a, I think he's a passing game coordinator with the Eagles now. So the Eagles, Eagle, there's a few Eagles guys that the Jets have their eyes on. And um, Pep Hamilton's another one. He was a Chargers quarterback coach. Obviously, worked really well with with Herbert. Um, Tex, he's a Texans OC now. He had a solid year last year um, as a quarterbacks coach with Davis Mills, and then this year that that team kind of fell apart. But what I've heard about Hamilton, while while I think he's probably you know probably the best of those that I mentioned. Um, he does seem to wear out his welcome wherever he goes. I don't know if it's uh, if it's co- his coaching style or his personality, but I do know he has bounced around, and some some don't care really for him, and then other people really do enjoy you know do enjoy working with him. So I guess it's kind of whether he's your cup of tea or not. But he's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I wouldn't hate Kevin. Uh, I wouldn't hate Pep Hamilton. Um, but you know the names like you mentioned, the Greg Olson one really intrigues me because of his. You know, long history, obviously, is play calling history and the Derek Carr connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try as much as possible to hire one of these veteran guys with play calling experience who has ties to one of these quarterbacks that you're hopefully going to go after, whether that's Carr, the pipe dream of, pipe dream of Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, so that that's ideally if if the Jets can um, do that. I think that would be the smartest move. So probably number one for me would be like a Greg Olson. 
Um, what I know people are going to hate the Hackett thing because they think of his time in Denver. Some guys are just not meant to be head coaches. Uh, we should all know that really well by now. Um, so you're better suited to be a coordinator than a head coach. Um, similar with, with Matt Nagy, I wouldn't mind that one. So they're, they're, I'm sure you're going to hear a lot more, maybe some, some Shanahan names will float around like the Kubiak kids, Clint Kubiak or somebody along those lines. I've, I've seen kind of rumored about on social media. So th- there'll be, you know, I'm sure they're going to want to fill it quickly. You know, you do have the senior bowl coming up soon and all this off season stuff that, that Joe Douglas is obviously big on. Um, so I'm sure they'd love to have somebody, you know, ready to go by then. Um, being that it's, it's a huge year for the Jets offense this off season. It's going to be, Obviously, you have the major quarterback question, which, you know, Woody Johnson is going to be all over. So it's not like this new coordinator is going to come in and have too much of a say who they're going to go get. You know, this is going to be Woody Johnson really pulling the strings up top because he's he's obsessed with getting a quarterback this year. Um, and, and Joe Douglas is going to have to, you know, make that happen. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, so. Yeah, I have my I have my personal favorites, I guess you could say, but I'm not really just I'm not tied to one guy more than the other. There's just a few that I definitely don't want, and one of those is Daryl Bevel. Nick, as we know, if the Jets don't make the playoffs this coming year, everybody understands nobody will be back here. This is going to be mm-hmm. playoffs or bust. And they're going to have to get the offensive coordinator higher right. They're going to have to upgrade majorly at quarterback. If they do those two things and tweak the roster in a reasonable way, there's no reason why they can't make the playoffs in 2023. But the offensive coordinator search begins now. The quarterback search will begin shortly after that. And the Jets have a very interesting offseason ahead of them. Nick Spano, co-founder of U-Stadium. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the breaking news of Mike LaFleur parting ways with the New York Jets as their offensive coordinator. Really appreciate it. For those that haven't checked out U-Stadium yet, you not only have to do that, but you have to check out the best part of U-Stadium, which is the takes function. Because when you participate in the takes function, you can make money without having to gamble anything. Usually when you bet on sports, you have to risk losing money. With the takes function, you don't have to even risk any of your own money, and you could still put extra money in your pocket. What could possibly be better than that, Nick? <laughs> yeah, well said. Um, yeah, check out the takes feature. I, I actually just put up a, a take a little while ago um, that the Jets hire Greg, Ol- Greg Olson um, as offensive coordinator and land Derek Carr. So if you guys agree with me, go and click the yes, or if you disagree with me, click the no, and you wager your points. So. Um, I put 5,000 points to play. Uh, if you guys want and you're a first-time user, DM me at the uh, U Stadium account on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I will get you your first uh, bet on the takes uh, on the house. So we'll, we'll take care of that for you. And, yeah, it's a, it's a cool – it's a really cool feature where you can, you know, make money on your sports predictions. So if you feel like uh, it's going to be Daryl Bevel, unfortunately, go and make that a take. If you think the Jets are going to trade for Lamar Jackson – uh, go and make that a take on U Stadium. As long as there is a an outcome that can be proven, um, you can make it a take and put a point value to it. And once uh, once you post a take, other users on the app will agree, wager their money, or disagree, wager their money or points. Um, and then when the take is settled, meaning the outcome comes out, uh, points are awarded to the winning side. And you can cash out. So really cool feature. 
a fun way to make money and you know put your money where your mouth is, so to say. Or put your, you know, put your, yeah, that's the saying, right? Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Make sure you it's check out the takes place. feature over at U Stadium and check out everything we've got going over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some fantastic all 22 breakdowns on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Some awesome statistical work over on our website, playlikeajet.com as well, courtesy of Haley English. So visit our website and visit our store over at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.